The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello, I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Welcome to this Stockhead Rock Yarn. In a world aiming to decarbonise energy supply, energy companies are refocusing on a low energy future. WA is developing a Midwest energy hub around its renewable energy generation, existing infrastructure, and a future where hydrogen manufacture can play an important part to reduce emissions. To bring us up to date with these new opportunities and other developments, we are joined by the Executive Chairman of Pilot Energy, Brad Lingo. Welcome, Brad. You began to assist Pilot in April last year and became Chairman in May 2020. What is your vision for Pilot going forward and how has your background in banking and petroleum assisted with the process? Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, uh, Really happy to talk about the the Pilot story. When I came in, um, it was clear recognition that um, Pilot uh, held quite a substantial position um, in the Midwest region of Western Australia, um, but was a nano cap, uh, so to speak, um, in oil and gas, and that um, there was a clear uh, move in the market and a clear move in investor appetite moving away from you know, uh, funding exploration by junior oil and gas companies and a real drive to look at the energy transition and a focus on moving more and more towards um, a clean energy future. And um, the major shareholders that brought me in um, to look at Pilot said, you know, Brad, take a look at our holdings. Tell us what we should do and what's the path forward. And it was very clear to me that um, uh, the operating position that Pilot had and has um, sat in one of the most uh, richly endowed uh, renewable energy resource regions in all of Australia. And I put forward to the to the shareholders that what uh, they had uh, was largely unrecognized in their previous um, business strategy, and that we really should be embracing. Um, uh, the fact that we sat in such a rich resource position and, and leveraging those existing assets and those existing tenures to pursue um, those resources um, in keeping with this uh, drive towards a cleaner energy future. Yeah, so uh, for listeners and uh, other parts of Australia and around the world, it might be worthwhile just explaining to the north of Perth and, and south of Geraldton is a very rich area for both wind and solar. I mean, it's it's windy all the time, either from the west or the east, and it's a, a very uh, reliable solar uh, re- resource as well. Exactly. I mean, when when... Um, you know, I started uh, peeling back the layers of the onion skin, so to speak, on what Pilot held. Um, it was a very clear recognition of that uh, rich endowment. And uh, the more and more I looked at it, um, uh, the, the offshore wind is equivalent um, in terms of um, consistency and wind speeds um, that you see where uh, offshore wind um, power is being developed in the North Sea. Um, the onshore solar is some of the richest in the world. 
And um, when I started looking at, you know, all the hard work that had been done by the Australian government, it had been done by uh, the universities, um, it, it, it well and truly highlighted that. Um, it was recognized by ARENA on their maps. It was recognized by Geoscience Australia on their maps. It was recognized by the World Bank on their maps as to this overlapping richness of the renewable energy resource in the Midwest region of Western Australia. And, you know, uh, we had um, BP put out its feasibility study for its um, green chemicals project in the Midwest region two weeks ago. And that entire feasibility study um, prepared by GHD for, B, for BP for that green chemicals project, you know, first and foremost highlights that rich, consistent endowment of wind and solar resource that sits there in the Midwest region and why it's, um, you know, a preferred site for development of uh, hydrogen production um, uh, in their business model. Uh, a lot of people, you know, may or may not be aware that Geoscience Australia in 2019 did um, a very detailed Australia-wide report on the prospectivity for hydrogen development in Australia and, and looked at the entire country and, and rated it in five different scenarios. And this Midwest region of Western Australia across all five of those scenarios, whether it was with or without infrastructure constraint, whether it was focused on green or blue hydrogen, whether it involved carbon capture and storage or not, and access to water, this area uh, always showed up at all five scenarios in the top 20, 20th percentile of where hydrogen could be developed in uh, Australia commercially. So, Brad, um, your experience in banking and then in petroleum area, how do those skills dovetail with the, the business model that pilots now developed over the last 18 months? Well, on, on the first and foremost, the, one of the ways that I, I try to explain it is if you look at the DNA of, of pilot, um, its ambition was to explore, appraise, develop, and ultimately produce world-class hydrocarbon resources in the onshore, offshore, North Perth Basin. What's changed now is pilot's business model in adop adopting um, uh, you know, a, a petroleum-based approach is that pilot's mission now is to explore, appraise, develop, and produce those world-class renewable resources that sit within its um, uh, Midwest, Western Australia footprint. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, that involves being able to attract um, appropriate levels of debt and equity capital, understanding how to go through um, the proving up stage, going through um, undertaking those uh, pre-feasibility and bankable feasibility studies to go through the process that we call from um, uh, working from our existing tenures to go through feasibility, feasibility to permitting and permitting to partnering um, and attracting both equity capital in the form of partners and then ultimately debt capital in terms of funding and overall development of these projects. So, uh, Brad, Pilot has attracted some partners, uh, Royal Energy. Uh, you're working with Bridge Street Capital um, on the funding front. Uh, can you just run us through those types of partnerships and associations that the company has made? Well, uh, 
from the from the outset, um, one of the things we realized um, that within our existing footprints in the Midwest, that um, uh, there was a logical um, anchor point to do our developments um, around in the Midwest, particularly the offshore wind, um, as well as the, as well as the onshore solar, and that led us to um, uh, a very early friendly discussion with Royal Energy, private company at the time. Um, which was uh, a 50% um, operator of the Cliffhead offshore oil field um, with a holder of a 21.25% beneficial economic interest in the, in the oil field and infrastructure. Um, and it was really that attraction to that particular asset um, and its logical position as um, a nexus for uh the development of both offshore and onshore renewable energy resources. Um, really, it's a game of location, location, location in terms of access to that infrastructure, um, uh, sitting in that very uh, resource-rich uh, renewable energy zone in the Midwest. Uh, in terms of that engagement with Bridge Street Capital, you know, Bridge Street really does understand that early capitalization process that a company with a with a really well thought out um, resources business plan, um, and in our case, renewable resources business plan needs to go through. Um, they've been highly successful in supporting other players in the uh, in the Midwest in the North Perth Basin, and we we took to them, you know, uh, that same geographic focus, that same energy market focus, but with a different different proposition. It was a proposition around renewable energy. And so um, the listener would probably remember that sort of Cliffhead has a platform uh, produced uh, over 15 million barrels barrels of oil. It's in, currently producing about 850 barrels of oil a day and still has over a million barrels of reserves, I think, from memory. Mm. Uh, but the, the good thing about that position is that there's already a power line that comes from the coast out to the platform. And if you had uh, offshore wind turbines there, you could just as easily turn the power around and bring it back to the coast along that uh, existing power system. Peter, that's a very good point. Um, and, you know, as we, as we you know, advance our, you know, understanding of uh, executing a development around Cliffhead, um, we came across, and it was in response to um, a question from an institutional investor said, Brad, can you show me where someone has done this already? What you're exactly what you're talking about. And we came back to him and say, you need to look at the Beatrice project offshore Scotland. Now Beatrice uh, started out as a demonstrator offshore wind project um, with uh, two or three wind turbines tied back to the Beatrice A oil production platform. Um, it was executed by Talisman, um, started um, uh, power generation in 2007. Um, and while that demonstrator project was being executed, a much larger development went through its uh, feasibility planning, its FID, um, ultimately financial close. Um, and now Beatrice is the um, largest renewable energy project in Scotland, all starting from that initial development of tying uh, two or three wind turbines back to the Beatrice A platform, providing all the power needed for the field, and then exporting power via an existing power cable back to the mainland, um, which is exactly what we see can be done 
um, at Cliffhead. And what makes uh, the, the Cliffhead uh, Midwest offshore region so attractive is not just the richness of the um, uh, offshore wind resource, um, it's its close proximity to the existing onshore transmission system. It is a shallow water. Um, it's got one of the widest shelves um, uh, uh, in Australia in a, in a rich wind region. And there was a recent um, Australian wind study, wind, offshore wind farm study, um, done by the Blue Economy CRC. And it highlighted just the quality of this region. And, and, that, and that's, not a, that's not new. You know, as we you know looked harder and harder and, and said, this is really the plan that we need to adopt. Um, this was identified and written up by the University of New South Wales in 2009, article published in Wind Power Monthly, and identified this area um, as the number one location for both the technical and commercial feasibility of the development of offshore wind in Australia. So, Brad, um, the thing about uh, weather dependent. Uh, power generation, wind or solar, is that you've either got a feast or a famine, and um, the the dealing with the feast. Uh, one of the uh, the things we can do is talk about batteries, and included in in batteries, we can talk about generation of hydrogen, whether it's green or or, or blue hydrogen. So, where's the company going with those sort of studies? Uh, well, our, we're principally focusing on uh, the hydrogen value tra- chain as the uh, modality for storing um, that, that rich renewable um, resource. And it, it also ties into the fact that because we also have the position at Cliffhead, um, not only can we generate cost-effectively green hydrogen, we can also um, generate uh, even lower cost blue hydrogen. Now, Blue hydrogen is hydrogen um, is traditionally produced um, at just about every refinery and every fertilizer plant in the world uh, through the SMR or ATR process technology. Um, but what makes it blue is that ability to capture the CO2 generated by that process and, and um, geo-sequester it through carbon capture and storage. And that's one of the things that we have as a unique position in the Midwest um, that at the Cliffhead oil field. And we've done pre-feasibility screening on this with risk advisory out of Perth, um, risk being Australia's leading um, independent petroleum engineering firm, that with the Cliffhead oil field, just on a carbon capture and storage basis, um, we can capture and store 500,000 tons per annum of CO2 on a baseload basis for 13 years at a um, cost of $16 a ton. Yeah, well, that's a lot of carbon dioxide, and there are other reservoirs in the uh, basin as well, which would be uh, suitable for for Correct. pumping carbon dioxide down into. In fact, as we've you know, you would know from a previous life, the the pumping of carbon dioxide into these reservoirs can actually assist with the recovery of rem- remnant sort of petroleum products. Correct, and 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 one of the things that that ultimately could um, do, and and this is part of the. Um, the, the additional um, detailed feasibility studies we're doing on the blue hydrogen project is not just the CCS component, but the CCUS component for Cliffhead. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a rule of thumb, you know, Cliffhead, um, you pointed out, has produced 15 million barrels to date. Uh, on a 2P basis, it has 
75 million barrels of original oil in place. Um, and through a successful um, CCUS project, you should be able to achieve 40 to 50% total recoveries of that oil in place. So that's a, that's a lot of oil over and above the 15 million, 15 million barrels that's already been produced. So for the avoidance of doubt, uh, Brad, the blue hydrogen uses, what, methane as a, as a raw material? It's a feedstock, yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, you run it through uh, SMR, which is steam methane reformation. You use about uh, 20% of your natural gas feedstock to actually generate the steam. The other 80% of that methane is, is then reacted with the steam, which then breaks off the hydrogen molecule of the, uh, of the methane, um, but does produce a byproduct of CO2. Um, and that's what happens at, like I said, just about every refinery or fertilizer plant in the world, but it is pure CO2. Um, and a blue hydrogen project um, right from the outset doesn't look at retrofitting the process, but embeds in the process that you capture all of that CO2 and if you've got the, the place for uh, uh, carbon capture and storage, geosequestration, then you capture it and inject it down into um, those reservoirs. And that's exactly what we have at Cliffhead. Yeah. Um, because and it's, it's even what even makes it um, more cost effective with Cliffhead is the field was always developed contemplating that there would be an enhanced oil recovery project there. Um, so the wells were actually set up for not just production, but injection. Um, when rock oil developed the field, they were contemplating doing that via a chemical flood because CO2 wasn't available. And the way the field is connected to the onshore processing, there is an oil production pipeline that comes from the field, but there's also a water injection pipeline that goes from the onshore processing back to the field. That's right. So you have all the infrastructure in place to actually have a very low cost, straight line uh, development, either for CCS or CCUS. Well, Brad, you've got a lot of things on your plate, or we'll look forward to seeing those studies come through and also uh, the development of a market for the hydrogen and how you get that energy back into the grid or whether it goes through fuel cells or what. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of options to look at down the track, but at least now the uh, the audience has got a very good understanding of where Pilot sits and what it's doing with these projects. And uh, thanks for coming on to the Rock Yarn today for Stockhead. And uh, we'll look forward for the rest of the year and, and beyond uh, how uh, uh, Pilot's going to develop these uh, renewable energy resources alongside its existing petroleum projects. Thank you very much, Peter. It's our pleasure.